Hi, listeners. It's Maddie. This week, we've got an interview with Christopher Michael Roman, who's the author of a academic book called Queering Wolverine in Comics and Fan Fiction, a Fastball Special. It's me, Ryan, and Todd all talking to Christopher about his book, which is wonderful. It is an academic text, so it is pretty heady stuff, but it's also pretty accessible as far as those things go. So I recommend if you want to read it to rent the ebook, which is about $14 as compared to the hardback textbook cost of 65 bucks. But also this interview holds up pretty well if you haven't read the book, which we figure most people won't be able to do. And we still wanted to give Christopher a chance to talk to our listeners about his work. Enjoy. Back when we were young, we experienced a change. We felt a power grow in us, both wonderful and strange. The power to care about the X-Men and the Mutant Brotherhood. All of their adventures, more than anyone should. From the comic book pages to the Roman, Christopher, what's your preference? Oh. How would you like us to refer to you? Oh, just Christopher is fine. All right, cool. You're not you're not paying me to take a class, so you don't have to call me Dr. Roman. <laughs> <laughs> we unfortunately can't afford to pay you for this. Oh, no. um, that would it's just like, oh, bye. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I'm oh. not getting paid for this. Uh... <laughs> Did you not read my writer? <laughs> Yeah, we do have we do have the blue M and M's in a bowl ready for you, but we Excellent. do not have a cash prize. So yeah, this is this level of freewheeling is pretty much how the whole day is gonna go. But let me introduce my co-hosts. I'll I'll start with myself, I guess. I'm Maddie Myers. I co-host the show with Ryan. That's me. And Ryan is my longtime best friend. We've literally known each other since we were twelve. <laughs> The show is us going on 40 now. Yeah, the show is about us going on 40, but it's also about us watching every adaptation of the X-Men. We talk about the comics a bit, but mostly we just review adaptations, be they the the cartoons or the live action movies and sort of compare contrast. Mm -hmm. And the third human on the call, the beautiful Fox, also known as Dr. Todd Harper, who is a fellow academic, but also just our our friend who talks about X-Men with us. Well, he's frequently on the show, like part time co-host. Yeah, Yeah. he's a part time co-host. That's a good way to put it. Um, So that's the three of us. We all read the book. We all love you, Um, but I I feel like probably the most fascinating experience about reading the book for me is how differently you have to talk to people about how gay Wolverine is than we do on this show. But I do think it's like hilarious how different it is to read a book where you have to be like, okay, here's who Wolverine is. Here's why he's a queer character. Whereas on this show... 
the level that we come at it from is just like all of our listeners are queer, we're queer. So we're just like, we already know this. We're yeah. already starting from the same language right. here. I, I, and you know what? I'm going to, I just want to let you know that one of our listeners DM'd me on the Discord and was like, hey, have you heard of this book that's coming out? And I don't, I don't know how mm-hmm. he found the, the book. It must have shown up in a retweet or something like that. And I was like, no. And I, I, I read like the summary and I said, we got to have this guy on the show. We have, we have to get him on the show because this is like, this yeah. is the audience. This is this is the show. Like we talk about Wolverine obsessively. This is yes. a book written yes. for us. <laughs> I guess my first question, Christopher, is I want to know sort of how you came to this topic. Did you like comics growing up? It's fine if you didn't. Mm-hmm. How, how did this happen for you? How did you get to the, writing a book about this? Oh, that was, so it's a slight, slightly long story. But, but to answer the sort of, First part, like, yes, comics as a kid were a big deal for me. I remember using, you know, as soon as I had a job, like a paperboy job, I'm probably dating myself there. <laughs> um, it's fine. <laughs> You're print, fine. Print media existed. Um, yeah, so I... Uh, <laughs> we all remember it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, was, I remember, you know, as soon as I had, um, you know, liquidity as a kid, uh, I, would, I was buying comics. Um, and so the mm-hmm. only time I really was not uh, into comics was when I was sort of a poor college student. Um, and, and I fell off and it was like the, in the nineties. And then I came back to it once I got a real job. So, and, and ever since, you know, I've been uh, obsessed with comics, but I actually wasn't originally trained to be a comic studies person. Um, I am a, I'm a medievalist actually. I, or I, that's where I, I was doing. Um, so for the first 20 years of my academic career, I was writing in medieval studies and queer theory, um, queer studies, that intersection. That's really cool. And, mm-hmm. and I've always like dabbled in like pop culture versions of medieval stuff. Sure. So during the pandemic, um, we, you know, we were in lockdown. I just kind of realized that this is, that's not what I wanted to do for the latter half of my career. And mm-hmm. so uh, I sort of switched gears um, and really sort of delved into comic studies and um, I've already, I've always been like a queer theorist. I've always done LGBTQ literature. Um, that's always been part of my my teaching and research. So I just sort of took that part and just started thinking about that with comics. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. I'm doing like comic studies on my campus. I, I offer an intro to comic studies class. This fall, I'm offering for the second time a grad seminar in queer comics. Um, so that's kind of like where, like generally speaking, that's where this started. And I talk about this a little bit in the book. What really sparked this book was the part <laughs> was just this one panel in um I, I believe it's um house x number one there's just yeah. this one oh we know the panel yeah, right? the one say, panel where um you know wolverine's smiling and playing in the field and i'm like <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> you know, who yeah. is that guy? Like, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the panel where he has his arms around Gene and Scott. Oh, yeah, there's that too. Right? That's a good yeah, one. there's that too. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but the, this character is so, you know, it's so, you know, written about and talked about in this very sort of hyper masculine way. And, but like, that was this really interesting moment into another, like, I want to know more about that guy, which I think sadly they really haven't pursued much, mm-hmm. but there's still time. There is, <laughs> but there, that's what kind of sparked that book. Like that's, and it's funny because I also am kind of a, uh, I, I collect Marvel legend, the, the, you know, the action figures. And that's um, a good thing to collect. Uh, yeah. It, but what's interesting to me is when they released the, um, the Hoxpox uh, set, you know, the wave 
they had yeah. him with the smiling face. And so it was like, <laughs> okay, so someone recognized that, right? Somebody recognized that smiling face. Um, and I just thought, what a queer moment for that character that I just wanted to ex- think about um, his history and, and then go back and, and think about those moments where he's sort of more vulnerable and um, connective and, and creating relationships. And that's kind of the Wolverine that I'm a little bit more interested in. Mm-hmm. Totally. So that's what sparked. So that's, that's really what sparked the book. It's just, it just, it really was one. So sort of <laughs> a lifetime of academic stuff and blah, 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 getting to that point. But, <laughs> but that one panel is really what sparked the book. Um, and, and, and then I just, I went from there. I love hearing the origin stories of how writers come into what starts that in the first place. It's never something that <laughs> you think it's going to be. It's like, it's, it's like just that one, one panel, panel. Wolverine smiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I do have to yes. ask, since you collect the X-Men Legends figures, do you also have that figurine that's Logan based on the animated series where he's in bed reading, like looking at that picture of Jean that has become become like a very queer meme. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. I do have that one. In fact, and I even keep the boxes because they're all VHS tape boxes. They're beautiful. I have a special shelf for just that line. And actually on on Twitter, somebody made um, that meme into him looking at my book. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Which is so sweet. We all have to share that too. image really... when we promote this episode. Yeah, I love that a lot. Yeah, or the or just uh, we're we're very much well. We ship Wolverine with a lot of characters, but I will say, I mean, we're really just going out of order. But you know what? That's how we do it on the show. I loved, I loved the focus <laughs> on the Wolverine Kurt ship in the book because. Mm-hmm. that's a very common one. It's huge for us on the show. Yeah, we talk about a lot here, especially when they have those moments in the cartoons. Yeah, which they really do. I mean, I, I don't expect you to have familiarity with all the cartoons necessarily. We've been really inhaling them and like hyper analyzing them on the show for years now. Um, but it is fascinating to see how each of the cartoons and even the live action movies kind of wrestle with Wolverine and how queer he is or isn't going to be. And also just the queer metaphor for the X-Men gen. Generally, I, I recommend it right. if you want another book topic someday. Uh, we, yeah, sure. We're not going to do it. Uh, but, but they definitely pair Logan and Kurt. But also the Logan-Scott tension is very mm-hmm. palpable, especially in the eras after Gene's death or like between Gene mm-hmm. being resurrected in some form. And I think that that finally being something that Krakoa is capable of depicting. I mean, whether they're able to be Mm. explicit someday is anyone's guess. But um, Mm. I mean, I'm sort of curious for your thoughts on that and just kind of how that journey has gone. Because you're reading all these really old comics where it's implicit, Mm. it's implicit, it's implicit. And then you're kind of finally reaching times where it's more explicit. And that just even as an academic has got to be sort of fascinating to watch. No. Yeah, absolutely. I think it speaks to um, a wider acceptance of just of queerness in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, we've have all these Marvel pride, you know, anthologies every June. Sure. Um, and, D- and DC does it too. So, and then, you know, there, you have Cena Grace doing the Iceman um, story more fully than Bendis handled it. Um, so I, I feel like there's some, I feel like there is some more willingness to represent uh, different kinds of gender and sexual orientations, but I do feel at the same time that it's, it's still kind of queer coded, queer baited, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, um, 
uh, I, it's like it's there if you know it. Yep. Um, and if someone, you know, it, it, there was uh, there was a there was an interview, and I, I, I there's an interview with Jonathan Hickman mm-hmm. where he said we pushed it as far as we were allowed to. Yeah. Um, and, and it was I think it was a podcast or so that he was on. Yeah. Um, and it was it, the like implicit message there was that he wanted to push it further. Um, yeah. So, so it is, it's good to see that. And it, and I hope that that gets continued to be developed. Um, but I feel right. like we haven't seen it in a while. Like, I feel like it was like Hickman did all that stuff and it was in the X-Men as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there was that, you know, Scott and the Speedo conversation, of course. right. In, in X-Men, <laughs> you know, which is a great, that was a great moment. And then I feel like it's really been dropped. Like we haven't really seen the three of them together for a really long time. Yeah. Right. Um, in the comics. So it's been a little like, so it was great. And I still think like that queer vibe is still going on in the books, but um, I feel like that stuff has, has kind of um, it's been overshadowed by other things. So I guess to answer your question, like it's been great to see that hinted at, and I hope that they do something with it uh, in the future, like you said, Um, but I still don't think it's quite enough to really change um, what's going on with Wolverine at the moment. Mm -hmm. Or even to change the historical perception of Wolverine that you wrote about, which was also fascinating to read people's interpretations of him as this purely just one-to-one what he is, as opposed to the subtext of Mm -hmm. what he is just this Mm hyper-masculine Reagan era masculinity, full toxic, Mm -hmm. like nothing behind it to, to read those quotes from other <laughs> and analysis of him, I was just like, yeah, I mean, I guess that is who he is for some people. And we wrestle with that mm-hmm. on our show a lot, like the idea of uh, the sort of straight male Wolverine fan that is right. presumed to be the majority. And I, I suppose maybe it is, but I mean, we always kind of uh, theorize see, that, that. <laughs> most of those guys have come out later in life. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of hyper masculine straight 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 with quotation marks males that I have known that have been like that and have over time as as the politics have changed have come out and been like oh no actually like i i am bisexual but like i wasn't comfortable with that which i think does reflect and i, I do think there's a small percentage or a percentage i shouldn't say small <laughs> straight words, people uh, are a small percentage of the yeah, world yeah. well you never know <laughs> we I mean, have you to know acknowledge that's my that. actual personal opinion but you know <laughs> i do think there is a percentage of people that are straight and and are looking at looking that way but one of the things that i really loved well, there's many things I loved in this book, but one of the things that I I am now saying is Logan and his cowboy drag. Yes, because mm-hmm. you're right. Like cowboys are not. I, I don't know who decided that la- cowboys would be like a straight thing. But <laughs> straight men. Ryan so... Straight decided that cowboys were <laughs> a straight thing. The myth of the American West. <laughs> right. It's like, but they are extremely queer coded in so many mm-hmm. ways, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. just like, and that's that is what Logan chooses to wear like that's that mm-hmm. is the persona he chooses to put on i know and it, and i loved christopher how you were explaining that even that cowboy iconography isn't actually what logan grew up with which is sort of fascinating right. like that's a persona that he adopts mm-hmm. later in life uh so do you mm-hmm. do you want to get into that i mean I'm, I'm not assuming any of our readers have necessarily read the book although i think they may be interested in it even though it's... i think they may be reading the book after listening yeah to this, but sure. do you do you want to just kind of describe the concept of cowboy drag to the listeners who haven't read it yeah in terms of of just of wolverine himself yeah. like so rural 
you know, Canada would not, that can't, that cowboy stuff would not have been his thing. So like, it is very interesting. What, so that's, that's Claremont era, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how he chooses to like, when he's not in costume, he dresses in this really interesting butch cowboy drag. I mean, that's the, that's the best way to describe that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a costume. Um, I mean, it's, it's really fascinating to think about all the different ways Wolverine is costumed, right? Yeah. Um, so you've even got like the, you know, the patch persona, yep. right? That's, that's like the debonair detective, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which, always makes, which, which kind of makes me laugh as well with the eye patch that no one recognizes that it's him. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Right. He looks totally different. Um, but yeah, the, <laughs> there's a, there's a certain, I mean, especially when we're thinking about like, um, which queer culture of the eighties, like that cowboy thing, like, so there's sort of a masculinity to it, but there's also a queerness to it because it's out of step with, he's living in sort of an urban culture, even, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it doesn't right. make a whole lot of sense. It's a, you know what I mean? So it, it's kind of this sort of funny um, way to wear masculinity in the eighties. Yeah. You know, and, and I think I talk a little bit about, um, I mentioned some other scholars that talk about like just how queer the cowboy is mm-hmm. period. Um, yeah. They're very homosocial and, you know, it's this very male dominated culture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and certainly a uh, closeted gay romances unfold in it. Right. Yeah. You're in this, uh, no sort of rules kind of situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes very isolated things develop. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> and so in that way, like the, I think I introduced that concept because scholar, all the scholarship that I was reading was like, Oh, he's just so like you said, like you, he's so hyper-masculine he's, you know, hyper-violent. He's, you know, he's, it's all vigilante. It's, it speaks to conservative blah, you mm-hmm, know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's, that's not, that's again, that's just not the Wolverine that I'm reading. Right. Um, there's, it, it, there's a lot more complexity here. Um, but it, it's funny that the ways in which they pointed to the, like he, he's a masculine cowboy. You know, like, <laughs> that also speaks, that also speaks to he's the ways straight, in which, you know, because he's wearing a he's cowboy straight. hat. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. I mean, it's like, um, you, well, that, that could be read in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. He slaps on a leather jacket and a cowboy hat. Like, and wow, he drinks we can read that beers. in a lot of different These ways. These are yeah. straight yeah, right. things. I was going to say, things I completely associate with heterosexuality are like leather right. jackets on dudes, right. for example. Yeah. yeah, with cowboy hats. And then going to a weird grungy bar somewhere. Alone. That, like, totally dark alone. And full of waiting only for other people men. to talk right. to him. Right. Like, the, the number right, of times, right. I mean, the number of times that Wolverine does this in various media, just goes to a bar by and himself or wanders around abandoned places <laughs> by himself. I mean, right. we he's, talk about hookup like culture a lot around. on the show and cruising <laughs> and like the number, like right. Wolverine's interactions with his enemies so often take the form of a cruising or hookup dynamic mm-hmm. in terms of just yeah. how yes. that interaction starts the kind of language right. that's used between them. It's mm-hmm. just, it's fascinating. And maybe it's just easily recognizable to us on the show. But mm-hmm. I also am like, on some level, I, I even feel like if, if straight people are writing stories like that, they are tapping into something they've heard about, whether they're conscious of it or not. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Far sure. be it from me to sure. speculate about what straight people think. I don't know. And I'll never know. It's, well, it's interesting that you say that, too, because in my mind right now, I'm thinking, like, it would be really interesting to go back and look at all those instances. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> Wolverine's Guide to Cruising New York City, 1987. <laughs> That's kind of <laughs> what we do on the show. Yeah. I mean, intentionally or not, I feel like there are a few things 
that we've noticed. I mean, okay, so for your reference, we're currently watching the Wolverine anime, which I super don't recommend. But also reading your book, I was like, Christopher might like watching the anime because it's so queer coded. It's crazy. But there are multiple episodes with Omega Red that we're like struggling through right now that are so queer because the tentacles and like the orifices that Wolverine is willing to accept entry to. Like, I don't know. See, I was going to ask about this, Christopher, because it's not, you don't talk about Omega Red in your book, but I would like to know your. Your <laughs> academic perspective on what is going on there, because I we why it's been going on for like forty five years, Dr. and like Roman, we don't really what understand is going what their there. history is. <laughs> I don't know if you can explain it, but Maddie's right. It's like the tentacles are a subject of a very erotic thing, and Logan willingly throws himself into it. There's so uh, many tentacles. Losing his clothing, Chris, like it's crazy. And that the, the pulsing, <laughs> it's like it is. I, I mean, it really is like hentai at this point. I right. I don't know. Nothing wrong with that, of course, yeah. but it is certainly a pattern. Yeah. It is certainly a pattern. Yeah, I'm, I got to be honest with you. I, I'm i not a big fan of Omega Red, so I think I read over him. Mm, I think uh, a lot of people don't read over him. I kind of don't register. All you need to know but, is he's from Soviet Russia and he's got tentacles and he loves right, Logan. Yeah, right. It's like I, I, know, <laughs> I know of him. I mean, I have the, I have the action figure. He's with my Wolverine. Mm-hmm, show. Mm-hmm, he's on my Wolverine show. One of Wolverine's <laughs> many exes. He's in the lineup. Right. I guess we can sort of look at it through the tentacle porn kind of thing that was going on, too. I mean, like, I'm thinking, as soon as you said that, I'm thinking about that situation which gene got tentacle arms mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. in the it was that early 90s of course she like did. There, yeah there was all kinds of tentacle stuff going on i feel like it was very much borrowed yes. from from manga but i also um, think like in reading your book the section about how many times wolverine gets stuff inserted in his body the number of times he's naked yeah. in the tube mm-hmm. the weapon x flashbacks mm-hmm. we see I, that these was things a really fascinating piece it was of the fascinating because i was like it is mm-hmm. really fascinating how many times Wolverine like the number of ways in which he's a bottom folks like the number Mm -hmm. of points of entry into his body Mm -hmm. like I never really thought about it that way before until I read your book life-changing text (laughs) (laughs) well it's like everything about him is like this so you know again when scholars sort of talk about him as the uh, like as an aggressive top right um it doesn't make a whole lot of sense considering everything that's been done to him. Yeah. Um, and so, it, it, so you know, you've even in the Weapon X process, right? That that whole Barry Windsor Smith comic, it's all about the stuff being inserted into him. Mm-hmm. Like it, that, that was a <laughs> that was one of my favorite things to write because every time I would go back to it, I would be like, oh, wow, this like this is a fat. This is a fascinating semi-origin story yeah. because he's he, he's not an agent. Like his, his mutantness, which like, I sort of argue is like his queerness, sort of helps him survive. Mm-hmm. But that whole story is all about just us witnessing his body and yeah. just being worked over and being and on you know all these ports and liquids and all this stuff being inserted into him. Um, so it's a it's a new way to think about his masculinity, not in terms of being phallic, right. But in sort right. of being, um, anal, right. Uh, mm-hmm. but his, his power is just in being receptive. Um, which I think speaks to what happens with him later in terms of relationships. I think that's why people like gravitate towards him. Like he's, he's actually 
incredibly open. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so he creates these relationships. So so not only is he physically open all the time, actually, with this the fastball with, special of it all, as you as the fastball you special, <laughs> or, the, or you know he right, <laughs> or, or you know even when he pops his claws, like he opens his skin, yep. like he, he's a pretty open person, which I think yeah. also on another level then speaks to just the the emotional kind of um openness that that character can can exhibit yeah. i really right. liked the the notion that like if you, you could almost see adamantium there as like a, a a metaphor for hegemonic masculinity that they're attempting to infuse into him in much the yeah. same way that like the the i i would argue that like the straight male fan base that is really invested in this concept of him as like the 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 Clint with uh, Clint Eastwood esque mm-hmm. tough kind guy, of like gruff tough guy, right? Is that like the adamantium adds this element of like inflexible hardness to <laughs> yeah. his otherwise, um, you know, to his otherwise open open and queer body, and that the thing that lets him survive, like you said in the book, the the thing that lets him survive is this 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 regenerative queerness, right? Like his ability to be Uh open and accepting and that he then re, you know, I, sorry, I'm academic out right now. Like he then reconfigures. No, I love it. He reconfigures this attempt to push hegemonic masculinity into onto into it, literally into him, not just onto him, but into him Mm -hmm. uh, into Mm -hmm. like a weaponized thing that he uses then to defend queerness itself. Right. Like his fellow Mm -hmm. mutants. It's a, it's a really interesting uh, I had not really thought about it like that, and I a thing that I really enjoyed about the book is the the idea that a lot of these these queering interpretations that you that you use across you know all three chapters of the book are about like reconfiguring mm-hmm. stuff that would be low hanging fruit hegemonic masculine reads into like, but there's a very easy queer interpretation of this otherwise gruff scene uh, an anecdote you had about him leaving kitty to pick herself up out of the snow in the Mm -hmm. chapter on mentorship right and i'm just like Mm -hmm. part of me is just like yeah because he's being a he's being a hegemonic dick it's like you're okay get up walk it (laughs) off but then you're like you went back and reinterpreted it you know through through a queer lens and it takes on a different a, a, a different feeling a different affect right when you when you look at it that way and that was what i really liked about that interpretive lens yeah i think like you know while you were talking i was thinking about how like the interesting thing about that character is that he's got he always has to sort of i'll use the word reconfigure like he he's got to reconfigure himself all the time right um so he's always at at sort of there's a sense of like being at odds with himself so i I like how you said this sort of the the adamantium is insert of hegemonic masculinity which like he's also sort of rejecting at the same time right it's like he's constantly rejecting the adamantium because there's that whole like you know fatal attraction storyline where the yeah. Um, yeah. where the adamantium is removed and so like i sort of I, I did not get to write about this uh because i was only allowed so much space with this book um but i really wanted to write <laughs> about like stopping you the, write the six that, sixty thousand word the, the publisher <laughs> the publisher, <laughs> the publisher. <laughs> uh, but I know. because you know when when that I actually, uh, people really critique that period of time, but I'm really fascinated by that. Um, so, you know, he, he has the adamantium re- re- uh, removed by Magneto, and then he sort of like ferals out, and yeah. his whole body changes, and he sort of, again, I mean, he's still conscious. He's, he's like 
trying to figure out who he is, but like, it's like, I'm always reading that. It's like his queerness just explodes. Yes. Right. No one quite knows what to do with, with him. And mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm, I'm living in the woods. And, 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 and it's, just, it's a really, it's a really fascinating time period. And, and I really love for me, like the, the pinnacle of Wolverine writing is what with Larry Hama stuff. Um, so when he's on that run of, of Wolverine, it's, it's really, really interesting stuff. And he's, so he's writing that, that sort of feral Wolverine and it's just so sensitive. And he's thinking about like how to, <clears throat> how to live without that adamantium and, and everybody's worried about him. I mean, it's just a really interesting, um, dynamic that's going on at that time. Uh, but I didn't have an opportunity to write about that, but, but yeah, it's like, okay, so what if we remove, what if we remove that hegemonic masculinity? What happens to Wolverine? Well, <laughs> He's just a big queer ape. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was just queer Donkey Kong just running around, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so these these two bring me on the show whenever they watch a movie. Yeah. Um, and I just no, recently no, not always not, just that. Well, well, okay, yes. For other things, I'm just going to move on. So, <laughs> but I was recently listening to the episode we recorded about the movie The Wolverine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Which starts with Logan literally living in the woods in Skyrim. Like, he's just out in the middle of Alberta somewhere. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. With Being a bear. besties with a bear. <laughs> and it's cute. It's, it's like, legit cute, his relationship yeah. with this actual bear. We're not talking about a gay bear here. We're talking about a yeah, real bear. Okay. Oh well, okay, God. but also, <laughs> it, is kind of, it is kind of a gay bear. It's, like, it's a gay bear. It is a gay bear. It's, a gay bear. it's Canada. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although, although Christopher, you did mention that in your book, you're like they don't touch upon this enough in the comic books or really anything. Is that Logan's ability to communicate with animals mm-hmm, is like a whole mm-hmm. thing. And I, right. I mean, like we love that. The bear's a great example. Maddie mm-hmm. and I really loved in Wolverine the X Men when he's just up in Canada petting a deer before like the Hulk or whoever lands on him. Yeah, just like hanging with Bambi because those are yeah. similar to the moments where Wolverine is smiling or sort of bounding around a field. The moments where he'll just gently be communing with a, a deer. It's which he does a lot even mm-hmm. with people too. Yeah. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you touch about his vulnerability a lot, which I think is great that he has like this openness and you talk about it a lot with um like his relationships with the uh, students like Kitty mm-hmm. and right. L C D, which is a great story, by the way, that one. Mm-hmm. And even Quentin mm-hmm. Choir. Yep. And Colossus. Although I do I do I would love to see if you had more pages what you would have said about like Jubilee and Rogue mm-hmm. and yes. Sato, yes. There's and Laura. Right. Um and just like how he could, he's just always been sort of like this um this guy to younger queer kids and mm-hmm. being like, you know, accept yourself. Um I loved everything you wrote about his relationship with Kitty and that and the, the whole story with him and yes. Kitty Pride and the Wolverine mm-hmm. with Ogan and like mm-hmm. just really doing a deep dive into um yeah. of what he did to allow her to find herself instead of being yet yeah, another male like like patriarchal figure yeah. in her life. Right. Which is right. interesting about him because like that is what he does. He like kind of steps in all the time and he's like mm-hmm. he's this hyper masculine dude that is also like trying to tell all of these like young teenage girls had to find themselves and not listen to men, which is kind of great. Yeah. Um, And that tension is there. Like you would think like, Oh, it's this older super masculine guy who's mentoring teenage girls. Isn't that going to be just as patriarchal, but somehow it's not. And I think it was really cool how you broke that down. 
Welcome to the show where we compliment you over and over because we loved your book. No, that's right. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I, it's nice to hear people enjoyed the book. That's, that is really nice to hear. I appreciate it a lot, actually. Um, I, I really am. I think that's a really interesting um, relationship that he develops. Like, I think some people interpret that as being side of pervy, right? Like, you go, mm. oh, this older man, this younger woman thing. But like. If you read the comics, that's not what—that's not what's not going at on all. at all. <laughs> like all his little sister, you know. It's yeah, yeah, right. It's it's all it's it is really interesting how he develops these characters to sort of be like who you like. I want you to be who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like you know, in that Kitty Pride and Wolverine uh, mini, he he's very resistant to being Kitty's like substitute father, and so it's and that that mini series is really interesting because. It's, she's got all these male figures that she can run to um, or who are using her. Right. So it's like, so she's got her, her father's kind of let her down. Um, she finds out he's corrupt. Mm-hmm. You've got Ogan who's brainwashing her. And of course you've got like professor X. Who's that, terrible. You know, she can, <laughs> well, who's, terrible, right? <laughs> who's, who's just awful. But, all the time. So, she can, so it's like, it, it's Claremont's doing a really interesting thing there. Cause I think it's like, okay, so you've got this, this young woman, she's a superhero. Um, she's actually proven herself, but you know, she's got all these patriarchal figures that she can, you know, that are swirling around her. Mm-hmm. And and then here's Wolverine. And there's a way in which that miniseries could have really gone off the rails and he could have totally been just another patriarchal figure that's gonna show her the right way what and how to do da-da-da-da-da. But he doesn't. Yeah. He's it's like he's super resistant to to being in that role um and wants her to just to figure out herself, like who she is and like so it's, it's like he's a really great mentor in that way because he doesn't sort of replicate um, like the, a pow- uh, the power relationship. He, it's like he provides guardrails. Yeah. Like, so you're not like going to hurt yourself. Right. But he doesn't like overwhelm the person so that they just are like, oh, I just want to be like Wolverine. It's like, because nobody wants to be, like, none of them want to be like him, which I think is a testament to, to like how that he's really good, that he's good, right? I really enjoy the idea that he's the, he's the perfect mentor for people because he's such a bisexual queer disaster who yeah. can't remember yeah. anything about his past. The people look at him and they're just like, wow, the claws and the healing factor, but man, everything else is kind of fucked. I don't think I want to be any part of that. That's like really funny. He's like the weird uncle, but also it's like really safe to be a mess around Wolverine like as a teenager because it's like this guy is kind of a perpetual messy teenager too in the sense that he's (laughs) healing over his own memories he he can never really like have a true human experience of growing older and dying in the way that we're all familiar with and so to have teens gravitate to him and be like this guy's such a fucking mess like I can relate to him like that makes so much sense he's like the the weird offbeat teacher he also like opens himself up that too you know what I mean like that's that is method like he's yeah there's that go ahead oh i'm sorry i was just (laughs) thinking that that, is this whole podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's there's this there's that panel where um uh and i think it's from astonishing x-men where um he's on the ground and armor walks in the door and is like do you need anything and he says are you a beer (laughs) there's a really good i mean there you can read that a bunch of different ways, but like there's a there's a real vulnerability, like like what kind of what we're 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 circling around here. Like there's a real vulnerability to that. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah, willing 100%. to be a mess in front of people. So there's sort of realness there that that is attractive to these people who need some guidance. Yep. Like okay, right. 
you're 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 a hot mess but i i see like that you've got some wisdom there or something you know and i i think that's that's a it, in a way that like cyclops never is yeah. right so like cyclops right. the great leader we never see him as being hyper vulnerable no. where I feel like you see Wolverine as being vulnerable all the time, totally. which is ironic right. again for all these like sort of straight, you know, <laughs> straight hetero fanboys who interpret him as being, you know, this, this pure man, yeah, pure like spirit of, ven- you know, revenge. That's so, crazy yeah, it's, it's, to it's, me. Like, yeah. Logan is like always crying. Like <laughs> even back in the nineties on the TV show, he's always like breaking down and crying, like full on sobbing, which mm-hmm. back then, when in our childhood, everyone's like, "You're a man. You got to bury those feelings. Yeah. You can't cry." Mm-hmm. And it's a, it, that's. Right. I mean, we're we're really steering away from that now. But like, they were offering this character who uh, is always openly sobbing, like all the time, mm-hmm. like a, a mm-hmm. big masculine dude, and that that's okay to mm-hmm. see with him. And I, I mean, it kind of touches upon what you're saying, where he's just like always open in that way. Mm-hmm. The longer this conversation goes on. The more I'm kind of fascinated with the okay, so look, I, I, these are my friends, and I listen to this show, so I'm very familiar with the content of the podcast, even the episodes that I'm not on. And there's a lot of like, oh yeah, that character's definitely gay about someone where there is zero canon support. (laughs) (laughs) And but like, and I'm like, well, you know what? Whatever, fine. And it's weird that we're kind of describing Logan as a character that's. that's that, but for straight people, right? Mm. Like, where it's like a character who's obviously gay, but everyone is like, he's clearly straight. Exactly. <laughs> like we're describing a scenario where the straight fans are like, oh no, dude, he's so he's so straight. Oh my god, I'm just envisioning like all of these Nelly queens going like, he's so heterosexual. Oh my god, I've never seen such a straight character. It's like nobody believes okay. you. I, I, I got to use this to jump on one of the things that I really loved about about the book here, Christopher, because like I brought it up and I'm like, I have to say this forever. And I'm going to ask you to sort of explain it to our listeners, because like, I know I will not be able to do it as well as you. But like this whole concept of him being like a cyborg pig, this this, mm. this <laughs> term you coined for him, I'm like. You know, I never really thought about it that way. But when I think of Logan and I think about like gay bars and which ones he would hang out, I'm like, oh, he'd probably be the ones that go to the local eagle, which is like this like out of this world BDSM. Like everyone's like not really even human in there. It's like seedy in the back and people are like maybe Mm -hmm. having sex and they're like there's fluids everywhere and just sort Mm -hmm, of like mm -hmm. that they use this whole pig mentality which you've described in the book which i was like wow we're really getting into (laughs) it talking about him showing up in bars earlier and i'm like yeah a bar called the eagle which as far (laughs) as i I know is like a hairy bear bar in every city (laughs) on the continent i've been been to a couple different locations just because like i go and see my friends at gay bars and those ones i'm always like well look this is like so much like too much for me sometimes yeah but not not enough for logan exactly what i would see logan (laughs) being and like if you look at him in a sexual way yeah that's totally what he would be yeah yeah 100 but i was wondering if you could sort of like dive in a little bit about the cyborg pig and sort of like how you came to putting that together because i was like i was fascinated i was jumping into our team slack and i was like i am gonna call him a cyborg pig and using cowboy drag on the show this point going forward. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, so, yeah. so i'm bringing together sort of two two different sort of theoretical models here uh and thinking about like in the cyborg pig so like the cyborg um it, it really so you got like donna haraway stuff um which i recommend reading she's she's very accessible um but you know she basically argues that humans actually are are already 
cyborgs. And a cyborg is just anybody who has to have something that they need to live that like enhances them. So like, for example, if you wear glasses, Mm -hmm. right. Um, She would argue that you're already cyborg, right. Um, Love that. But we humans writ large (laughs) are still very invested in being like, I've got two arms and two legs and you know, I'm, you know, that I don't need anything to live, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we, we, we're invulnerable beings, right. But, in reality, we use all kinds of different things in order to get through life, right? Um, yeah. So how to theorize the human body with, like, you know, if you've got an artificial heart or, you know, uh, um, you know, like glasses or prosthetic leg or things like that, like you are already cyborg and your body is understood in a, in a different way, right? So, um, well, you know, Wolverine, I think, is, is very obviously a cyborg in that way, but as soon as he gets metal introduced into his body, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that in that way he has to understand his body as being uh, different because it's been injected with this metal and then he's got to figure out like the claws and stuff so right, so he is part flesh part metal right so very cyborgian right mm-hmm. so um i brought in that aspect of it to think about just the I, I, one of the things that i'm interested i was interested in in, in, th- in sort of thinking about wolverine is that he's just not one thing um, he mm. sort of straddles, like he, he's a very, um, he's yeah. not an either or kind of character. He's an and character. So it's like, and this, and this, and this, and then, you know, and, it, and that's right. a sort of, that's part of a queer reading. Um, and then I brought in some porn studies. Because <laughs> 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 um, why not? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> it's, worth, <clears throat> it's worth doing the analysis on that, you know. Yeah, I'm right, it's right. important. It's important. <laughs> Especially here on it's, the Mutant Ages. Yeah. <laughs> I legit. Like scholarly point of view wise, went okay. I got to get this Florencio citation. Oh, though. I know, it's like, a fantastic book. Just <laughs> that, just yes. that one block quote you included was yeah. me going, "Oh shit, this actually would be really useful for a thing I'm thinking of writing in the future." So thank you for <laughs> that. Awesome. By the way, sure, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so. I, now I want to ask you what you're writing in the future. Uh, I mean, I can get the, the quick and dirty version is when I was when I was still doing my PhD coursework. Um, I did uh, I did an analysis of SeanCody.com. Uh-huh. <laughs> you told us about this. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah, coming yeah, back yeah. to me. Now. This is important Todd Harper lore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it was. It, I was looking at like how they package masculinity uh-huh. okay. and specifically heterosexual masculinity as like a marketing tactic, and. Uh-huh. But that was like 2009, so that was a million years ago. And I was thinking of coming back to it and going like, is this still a thing that Sean... Because Sean Cody still fucking exists, by the way. Which yeah, is terrifying. People are allowed to keep doing porn when they're old Todd. It's allowed. <laughs> Haven't you ever heard well, of the- daddies? <laughs> Logan has at the Eagle Bar. I'm 44 years old. I've become daddy now. I think we all have, including Maddie. You know, it's Maddie just like, is this definitely is just- daddy now. Oh, I was daddy before... Any- yeah, sure, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I'll segue back into, into me. Um, Please, so. tell our listeners what pigs are. <laughs> some of them are young. So, some of them don't know. So Florencio's, uh, so Florencio's book is um, uh, basically about, it's, it's called Bareback Porn and Porous Masculinities. Um, I think I got that title right. I highly recommend it. it's a fantastic book. It really that is, like that is the title. Yeah, it really changed. Like I was like, oh wow, this is it really influenced the way I th- was thinking about Wolverine in terms of being anal and and the insertive things. Yeah, that, yeah, um, yeah. He, he really he really rocked my world in that uh, in that way. Um, yeah. So what he argues is that uh, there's this whole 
genre, bareback porn, in which the point is to just be able to take as many fluids as possible, right? Um, so it's all about the power, like basically all about the power of the power bottom, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess is a good way to say it. Uh, (laughs) right and so so that's where so instead of you know we typically associate masculinity with the phallus slash penis right those sometimes are interchangeable but just phallic power right right um and his argument is that actually their power is the ability to just take it um and so it's about their holes um and and that's where the pig comes from um so there's the sort of the, the you know you are taking you know you're 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 taking piss, you're taking cum, you're 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 just taking all of it, um, and you want yeah. more and more and more the more loads you can. So, um, and it's it's definitely you know it's a commentary on uh, AIDS culture. It's a resistance to that where bodies were not supposed to be on display. Um, you have to put that away, and this is just a flaunting of all that. Um, and so, thinking about you know Wolverine the cyborg, and then thinking about just <clears throat> the way he takes it, right? Um, <laughs> and and the way you know he, he takes the adamantium, he takes punishment, he takes tentacles, tentacles, right? <laughs> so uh, many so, tentacles, so he's, right? So he's 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 a pig, right? I mean, he's a pig in that way because he doesn't stop. It's and, you know he and there's that um, great uh, quote that I use where the the one porn star has um, hard hard to kill, to kill. Yes. Yes. yeah, hard to kill. That's and some thought, Logan man, that shit just, that, right there. It's so Logan, right? <laughs> Because he is. I mean, he he's is. hard to kill. Yes. So, um, so yeah, that's so putting those two together really made me rethink. Like, okay, so you've got this cyborg body, you've got this pig body. Um, he's really, you know, he's really sort of um, representing a new, a different kind of masculinity. That's not. I mean, I, I even, you know, like there's a way to interpret his claws. As, wait, his claws are phallic, right? Any anything that's longer than batter is phallic right <laughs> it's supposed to be a power thing but like even his claws they like they cause him pain yeah like it's he has to open up his body to use them literally holes come out of his hands right yep, like yep. right <laughs> right right he's, he's, it's like he's self-piercing himself it's a sort of masochistic act um in order to to do this so so even that complicates i think the way that we think about this character is like oh snick snick he's gonna use his claws but like there's a, a lot other there's a lot of other things going on there in terms of pain and and also um, like the claws entering and exiting that hole repeatedly right, right. in his body right. <laughs> so sometimes he just does it like repeatedly too yep. for fun yeah and we're like what are well, you doing and, and, like, and i think that sometimes that's that's like poor writing i have to say yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know like I, I i if i don't know and again writers i hate to be like that sort of person that's like oh they're they're not living up to my expectations of this character I, I, it's like i always like to come to the comics, you know, sort of where they are. But, um, you know, just the history of that character, there's all these interviews with Claremont saying, like, uh, Wolverine would only use his claws at the last possible yeah. moment because they yeah. cause him pain, you know? Like, right. he wouldn't just he wouldn't just play with them. You know, like, snicks, like their little, like their little switchblades. Like, he's a, he's a greaser from 1950, right? Like, he wouldn't do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wolverine that's, in that's West not... Side Story. That's a really <laughs> fascinating... Oh, my God. <laughs> S. E. Hinton's the Wolverine. Yes, it's, it, he would. It's just he wouldn't do that. Like that's that's not that character. But like writers, I think it's sexy to have those claws come out. And I think yeah, sure, um, that's just where we are now. But um, I, I like, and, and and not that I'm sort of arguing for like this Claremontian pure Wolverine or something. But I like that idea that these are not just 
it's just not these cool little things he pulls out when he wants to. Like there's a, no. he's got to have a real reason. He, he knows they're going to hurt him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do appreciate when artists or writers, when, like, if, if they, you know, depict the claws, they're depicting that it's bloody. Yep. Um, and right. it's, so it's caused him some pain. He's pierced his own, his skin. So, so I, it's like a nod to that, but, but yeah, I feel like the, the overuse of the claws um, sort of detracts from the complicated power that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you talk about a little bit in the death of Wolverine and how like the adamantium is like poisoning his body and like what it would yeah, be yeah. like if his, if his powers were shut off and how that would just along the poisoning he's experiencing in his body, but just opening up his, his hands like that all the time. What's it? Reed Richards is like, you're going to die from something else. Even before like the poisoning will hit you because you're like opening up your hands yep. and like letting right. all this bacteria in, which Truly, is interesting. I am so fascinated with the idea of adamantium as a metaphor for inviting hegemonic toxic masculinity into your <laughs> yeah. body. Yeah. Now. Like, and, that and it's right, poison. Right. killing him to be inside him. Right. It is toxic. Yep. It is literally toxic. Yeah, And, and it's like weapon, weapon X, like you said, Christopher is like they try to control him and they're like, all right, we're gonna make him heteronormative yeah. now and like put this out of mm-hmm. man. But mm-hmm. all it does is like make his queerness. They can't control it. They can't control it. Thank basically. you for the image of um the many William Strikers of the Fox universe going like, we will create the perfect cyborg pigs. <laughs> I really hope in the MCU they have like Doctor Cornelius, whoever, not William Striker, because like that is crazy to me. Yeah, so we, have, we, I, have, we have Striker fatigue. We have on Striker this show. fatigue. We're, we're Striker fatigue. <laughs> I did I did appreciate um in reading the sort of comparison intentional in the comics or not between Professor yeah. Thornton and Professor X, which I really have never thought about somehow. Yeah, same. Like as soon as you're like they're both bald, I was like, oh my god. And also you refer yes. to him as the professor. I was like, I was amazed by this. So of course, we're we're a show that feels like Xavier is often manipulative uh towards characters in ways mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that writers don't often actually interrogate. And some do, and we always appreciate that when that happens. But it, it's fascinating mm-hmm. to think about those dual professors and what their versions of uh, reality they're imposing onto Wolverine are. Like in one case, it's like the heteronormative reality in Professor Thornton's case with the adamantium as masculinity as Todd's proposing. And then in the other case, it's like the homonormative or whatever mm-hmm. it is in Professor X's mm-hmm. case where he's like, yeah, well, gays can get married now and right. have a white picket yes. fence and two kids just like yes. the straight and three can. children and a dog. Yep, exactly, right. exactly. Right. And like that is the Professor Xavier version <laughs> of the world that Logan also right. rejects. And yes. it's great. It's fascinating to think about it in that way. I think you mentioned that in the Wolverine and Kitty Pride too, yeah. where, where Kitty was like, I want Professor Xavier to, to, to fix, fix me. And she and ultimately like, doesn't do Logan's that. like, no professors <laughs> fixing things. Thank you. Okay. That's I, right. That is a really good segue <clears throat> to a question I had. Go for it. Uh, like theoretical framing wise, because you talked about a big influence on this being Haraway and Queer <clears throat> Art of Failure. No, Halberstam, Jack Halberstam, sorry, is queer art of failure. And like the idea that queerness, at least from the perspective of, you know, heteronormative society is viewed as a failure. But like Mm. Halberstam's whole argument of being like, we can we can turn that around as a as a way to like to embrace it. Right. And to Mm -hmm. use that perception of failure to to critique those systems. And I I was thinking of that as you were talking about things like what Ryan just said about, you like we can fix things and. Logan embracing, even embodying this concept of messy, messy, quote, failure, mm-hmm. right? Of mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Of, of, yes. of disorder and, and just embracing that and, and letting it be a source of strength instead of 
whatever the opposite of a source of strength was. It's 10 57 <laughs> in the morning, and I'm not really a source awake right of now. weakness, uh, more a, weakness. a source of not strength. Said yep. the other person with a doctorate in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, it's, what we were just talking about, like, is I think the it's like the opposite would be the professor. Yeah. Right. Not, not to, not to shit on our own profession, but like there is that sort of like the professor, right? I mean, the comics are that it's like the professors, like you uh, were saying earlier, like they're the bad role models. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think, I think Professor X would be like, no kink at pride. Yes, right? absolutely. Like, that would be his, that would, he would be that way. And Magneto would be like, all kink at pride. Yeah. <laughs> Magneto shows up in a harness and Xavier's just like, what are you doing? We talked about this. And Magneto's like, I'm just being my true self. Thanks for ruining everything again, Xavier. Like, Oh, those messy boyfriends. I know. And oh we, love oh, we love them. We love them. 24-7. That image is going to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Wolverine is totally that... That the that embracing of failure, right? And ever like he embodies that, like even in terms of being able to have a memory, mm, right? Uh, yeah. He can't. He's got to patch that together all the time. Um, uh, no pun intended, know, he, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was an intention. Oh, no, no. uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he. He's and again, maybe that's why, like, sort of all the the queer the queer kids gravitate towards him, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he embodies that sort of messiness and that, like, it's okay that this didn't work, or that's okay that these, you know, I'm not living up to Xavier's ridiculous demands, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I need to find myself, um, and I think that anytime you're trying to, you know, explore your queerness, it's always a process, right? It it never ends, but I, and I, but I think our culture is very much like you know, oh, your X thing, check this box, right? Um, and Wolverine is very resistant to that, right? That you are just a bunch of things, like it's, and you're always in process and you're always finding out about yourself. And that is a comfort for uh, these people that are trying to find their way in the world of mutants. And, that, and that's a, you know, like, as you had said before and in the book, that like, that's a cornerstone of queer theory as a, as a, as an approach, right? It's like the, right. the destabilization of, of, of hard categories and boundaries mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of the, the flexibility and messiness that people move between categories of, of, of all sorts all the time. Right. Well, we're coming up on an hour. <laughs> I don't want to take up Christopher's <laughs> time forever, wow. but this was really fun. Does anybody have any final questions or just things they want to say before we wrap this thing up? I did. And I have to go look at my notes now, but you can go first if you have some. Well, I'll say one first. I'll say one first. We haven't talked about the fastball special of it all yet, but I just wanted to quickly mm-hmm. say that was yet another thing in the book that I was like, how have I never thought about this before? Cause we're always talking about Wolverine's clothes falling off on the show because that's so important <laughs> to talk about. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, right, that's right. He's naked all the time. He's constantly time. naked. And I, right. I just thought that was just kind of like, you know, the worshiping of the, the male body that superhero comics so often do, especially muscle, muscle bodies. But in addition to sort of breaking down the supposed ugliness of Logan, he's short, he's, mm-hmm. he's more squat and so on. You also talk about the fastball special and how vulnerable he is in those moments and the sort of Claremontian idea of how he doesn't necessarily want to feel pain unless he must do so in order to protect his family and his own survival. Mm -hmm. And just the fastball special as the embodiment of that, where it's like he is nakedly flinging himself at another person and will be experiencing quite a bit of pain in so doing. And 
I guess right. because Wolverine approaches it so joyfully, I never really thought about the fact that that's him flinging himself into pain and being like, I yeah, love you absolutely. guys. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Jesus, Logan. It's not the best, like, defense. <laughs> no, or it's really like, they not. See him, they see him coming. Yeah. It's like the most ridiculous thing. It's like, here comes 300 balls of flesh. 300 pounds of flesh. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, like, it's not the best. It's, it's not really best, not. But, like, but I think it speaks to just who... I just think it, spe- it does. It speaks to who he is. Yeah. Like, that vulnerable protection relationship guy, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, that it's a much more interesting character. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I really liked that. And I liked that as sort of like the grounding mechanism of the title of the book. It's just like <laughs> Logan is flinging himself joyfully into pain to protect the people he loves. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> Ryan, did you find any of your questions? Yeah. I, yeah, I just have a couple questions that I, and we kind of touched on them a little bit. Uh, the first one being that, uh, we, we, did talk a little bit about, a little bit about how Nightcrawler and Logan are like the go-to. Mm-hmm. It seems for if we're going to pair him with another guy, it's going to be Kurt. And I do think there's like an in-depth reasoning for that, where they both kind of like don't feel comfortable in their bodies. And I, I did really enjoy all the pieces in here where you're talking about how Logan just kind of thinks thinks of himself as ugly. It there, I was thinking about um, Wolverine and the X Men when he's talking to Warren at one point after Mister Sinister turns him into like the Terminator. Yeah. And basically, Logan's like, I hate myself all the time. I'm a monster. And Storm's standing there being like, Jesus Christ. And like, <laughs> yeah. You know, just sort of like how, how both Kurt and Logan um, internalize that in very different ways where like Kurt mm-hmm. puts on this charming face even though he doesn't feel so confident about it, the way he looks and Logan's just openly like, I'm just going to destroy myself because I'm not worth anything and sort of like how that comes into play a lot with when you were analyzing the fan fiction side of things. And, uh, mm-hmm. I just found that like really fascinating, and uh, I I do want to know how many how many hours did you have to spend reading fan fiction on Ao3 to <laughs> get the reference points? <laughs> yeah, important research. Hour it was it was a lot of research. Yeah, that that was probably so. I'll say it was the first time I've ever really dealt in in fan fiction studies. Mm-hmm. So okay, that was yeah. that was actually a, a lot of a work. And it's really interesting. I've got a I've got a PhD student right now who's writing her dissertation on on fan fiction. Awesome. That's really fascinating. Yeah. In general. it's really it's really she's doing really cool stuff, and she's doing stuff with like Good Omens oh, um, fan fiction. Yeah. Oh, wow. the world love Good Omens. The world of that is huge. <laughs> yes, um, yes. So she ha- she says she helped me like find you know sort we kind of exchange we were exchanging sources and stuff, and that was a really nice um, that was a really nice moment to have that that with her. But then I had to like figure out how to navigate it. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, there's, I mean, like I, I think I talk about like, there's a lot of fan fiction just sites yeah. out there. Um, so just figuring out what my, just what my group of texts were going to be um, was tough. But um, I know you did cite some of those other sites and I was like, wow, I forgot that. I forgot some of these exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, I had no idea that there was just a website devoted to Logan and, and Kurt fan fiction. <laughs> Uh, the Logurt, Logurt website. Logurt, that was new to me too. Logurt, I was like, yeah, 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 it was new to me too. But AO3 though. is like, I think AO3 is like the big deal. Yeah. So I had to yeah. go through and figure, just, I had to read a ton of just like, so I mean, there is so much X Men fan fiction there. So I, I mean, it's, it's, whoo. And then I had to, so then it was just like, okay, I can do search terms and find Wolverine. Um, but even like with Wolverine, there's, I could have written, a whole chapter on Wolverine and Colossus mm. um, oh, yeah. fan fiction. There was Wolverine and of course there's Wolverine and Scott course, fan fiction. Of course, classic. Um, and, and it's interesting. I, I, I think there may have been actually more 
Wolverine and Scott fan fiction than there was Wolverine and Nightcrawler fan fiction. I mean, that doesn't surprise yeah, me either. Yeah, I mean, those are the I two mean, like, parents that, that make a lot of sense. I was really surprised. I actually kind of was surprised by that. I, I just because I just think of Wolverine and Nightcrawler just like that's the that's the buddy relationship like but it was like oh okay they're the ones that are meant to be together you know but i do think that's got a logan come to each other a lot yeah there's there's both them consoling each other over gene's death but also even before her death when they're fighting over her so much of that is also homoerotically charged oh totally because it's like it's not even about her anymore because you two are just obsessed with each other. Like <laughs> right, 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 right. it becomes, it, it becomes very, very sexy very quickly. I love the right, idea of, right. of just Logan and Scott arguing and Jean is just like, Hey, should we be able to turn it? And just like, stay out of it. And then they start. Making it at each other. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Lot of that. <laughs> Extremely easy to envision that happening. Coincidentally. Yes. Uh, right. Absolutely. Seriously. Gambit needs to come in and like teach all these men how oh, to be Gambit. comfortable with Gambit themselves. deserves his own book too, for what it's worth. Gambit, yeah, seriously, icon, oh, bisexual icon, always was comfortable with himself yeah. and his body. Yeah. Brian, did you have another question before? Yeah, I just wanted to throw this one in here quick because I did. I did mention like we were talking about like his relationships with like younger queers. Yeah, um, and so you wrote about Quentin Choir, which I thought was great, and Kitty. And LCD again, LCD story. I in reading this, I was like, I gotta go reread that because I forgot like how mm-hmm. good that is. I know. I so many things in here. I was like, oh, I really want to reread these these storylines. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. But I was gonna ask, like, of the other ones that you didn't have time to write about, like say Laura or Jubilee Armor. Like, is there any other ones you would have wanted to like touch on if you could really if you could write do another a deep chapter dive into one of those relationships? I mean, for me personally, I love Jubilee, but like we love Laura too. Yeah, I would. My, Jubilee is my favorite too. Yeah, I, I would have to say Jubilee. I. She easily could be another. She could have been another chapter of herself mm-hmm. uh, in yeah. of herself. Or she, she might even. I mean, she's probably deserves a book. I love. I love that character so much. Actually. She's I'm amazing. Gonna, I wrote a. I wrote a chapter. It's not out yet, but there's a collection coming out about the animated series. Yes. And so oh. I wrote about. I wrote so my chapter, and that's about Jubilee. Um, oh my god! And so I need to read I, this. I, <laughs> I hope. Yeah, I hope it comes out. I hope it comes out next year. Um, there, it's gonna be. Yeah, I think. I think University of Mississippi, Mississippi Press is they. Uh, publish a lot of comic study stuff uh, but anyway i love that character and i w- i could totally write about their relationship too because their their relationship is is interesting because i feel like it's it had a really long time to develop mm. yeah, it did. um and so they were they were you know they were in the comics together um for a long time and i i they're, they're you know their dynamics were constantly shifting so i just think um i would yeah i would like to write a a a, a, a bit more about their dynamic and their relationship um, and I don't think the relationship with Quentin Quire is over either. No, um, I think, it's, it's ongoing. Well, I mean, they, they've been working together on X Force. So. Yeah, they were in X Force. I, I feel like, um, and again, this is just again sometimes a little disappointed in. Like, I feel like that's what's missing from Wolverine right now is that I don't feel like he's got like that that character that's coming to him for the mentee. Yeah, yeah. That it's yeah. not. It's not very. It's, there's not a. And I feel like that. That's really where Wolverine shines mm-hmm. is like I the, agree. The, the, the relationships, you know, um, that he develops. But there's really, there's not even been like a extended romantic relationship for this guy for for over for a couple of years now. So yeah, anyway. because he's in a stable poly triad. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, I want to see more of that. I mean, come on, let's see this. Let's see this polycule at work. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's <laughs> not just a triad. You're right. I just want to see him date Kurt. All right, come on. Like that's really yeah, what right. I want. I know. Right. <laughs> I know. Right. At the end of the day, I'm like, he's like, I'm always like, he's either going to be with Kurt or Aurora because they both can give him like the emotional support that he needs to like yes. be in a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. But Aurora's on her 
her own journey. And, you know, I'm still rooting for her to end back up with Yukio. I saw you mention oh, Yukio yes. oh in the same. book. And I was like, mm, oh, my God. Love yeah, Yukio. It, it's possible yes. now. It's <laughs> yes. so we're so close. The Krakoan era has really opened up a lot of doors. Now I know we, just have, we to have a lot more corporate queer female <laughs> relationships, which I, I love to see. I mean, we're both mostly mm-hmm. talking about the gay guys on this app. But I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for Storm and Yukio. Love those old comics. Mm-hmm. And, Sam. you know, yes. you never know. Yes. Uh, but, Todd, I wanted I wanted to give you a chance to ask uh, any any remaining questions that you have. OK, do you do you want do you want me to ask the really academic sounding question or <laughs> yeah. the other question no, that I has like nothing to do to with them. academia? Just in well, case people were tired. Both, of, so I, well, OK, there you go. I'll ask the non-academic <laughs> question first, which Great. is um, what what Logan ship do you find? personally the hottest mm, good question oh huh. you did read a lot of kurt and logan but now you're telling i mean it's okay Colossus. if it's logan and kurt you're valid if it's kurt and logan by the way it's completely valid i mean that tail yeah come on <laughs> i i'm sorry and i know it's like of all things this like is the million dollars this is a stumper uh todd why don't you ask him another question in the interim <laughs> See, uh it, it's kind of about queering like the verb right which like i i feel like as social justice oh, i got it i got it oh okay <laughs> oh I, I, I got it you know I, <laughs> wolverine and havoc Ooh. oh yeah meltdown oh, meltdown was yes hot. yes so melt yeah right meltdown was totally flirting with that stuff um just uh, the art uh and their dynamic and we didn't get to see a lot of that and i think that is a really interesting ship it yeah. is uh, some it of is. our listeners in the discord have brought it up when they were like we got really into logan and uh, and havoc during meltdown mm-hmm. that also was our introduction to logan being queer and i was like that's a good one i have that i have those graphic novels like right here somewhere. and but, alex controls plasma so it's like literally the hottest ship mm-hmm. actually <laughs> <laughs> So basically, you have a relationship with two bossy bottoms. Yes. yes. Well, see, I was just thinking that, and I wasn't going to open that can of worms. But I was like, Holy. Alex and Madeline Pryor right now is yeah. ridiculous. So I'm like, okay, what is this version of Alex that's with Logan? Because it's like they're kind of both bottoms in my view. But that doesn't that can uh-huh. work. That can work. Uh-huh. People can be flexible. But it's the wow. struggle to be the bottom versus the struggle to be the top. Yeah, I, it I is. Like it's that. a very different mm-hmm, struggle. Mm-hmm. It's so different. Oh yes. Wow. I don't keep up with comics as much as these two do, so I'm learning a lot right now, by the way. Oh, my God. You and Todd, it's worth reading Alex Summers and Madeline Pryor comics because they're both insane. No, 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 no. No, nothing I could read in the comics will ever be as funny or as engaging as how y'all talk about that shit on the Discord. (laughs) I know, I know. We, we, We make the subtext text all the time, every day. It's what we yes. do. It's, it's very much text. like the age of television without pity, where the show was probably <laughs> bullshit, but the TV without pity recap was extremely good. That's what, that's what we try to offer. But Todd, continue your question. My, my, my academic question was about was about um, queering, right? Which like as, mm-hmm. as, you know, kind of like academic social justice and gender studies terms like, make it more into the mainstream. It's like everybody uses the word problematic now, which is really yeah. funny. Uh, mm-hmm, sure, But absolutely. like queering is a... Is, is like a word that has such complicated weight now, right? Like mm-hmm. it's got it's mm-hmm. got so much more rhetorical baggage than it did when queer theory as a perspective was new, right? Where mm-hmm. where everyone talks about queering everything now. And like did yes. did you have did you have any nervousness about and for the okay, I knew there was I knew I was gonna this is gonna happen to me. And so sorry for my anxiety. 
But like, I'm, how can I ask this question without making it sound like, did you intentionally do this with your stupid book? I do not think you, I do not think you misused queering in the book in any way. I just want to be on record for that. <laughs> I love it. Did you call your book Queering Wolverine to troll what? people? <laughs> did you, did you like, intentionally mean to use this term this way, you dumb bitch? Todd Harper, everybody. Talking to other academics in a way that only somebody who has had to defend themselves at an, at an academic <laughs> conference. Turn, yeah. right. well, like, this isn't really a question, it's more of a comment. It's just like, <laughs> like okay. <laughs> Can I just suplex you and move on? But legit, yeah. did you feel any sort of like, did you feel, did you have any sort of like complicated feelings about using the word queering, considering just how much baggage that term has picked up? That's a, you know, that's a really great question. Um, uh, I'll say no. <laughs> You know what? Good. I res- I respect that level of power. I don't have that level of power. Well, maybe we all should. Maybe we should all just be like, yeah, the book's called Queering Wolverine. Fuck you. That's what it is. Right. Was that a discussion that you had with the folks at Rutledge when you were putting this? Maybe you should. Maybe I shouldn't have asked that question. No, you know what? The only thing I had to have. So I'll say this. I, I got to claim some privilege here. I mean, like I'm a full professor. You know, I've been doing this for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'm a white guy. I've got a lot of privilege. So like. If you don't like how I do sword queering, like I don't really care at this point. You know, that, uh, and I know that's that's probably irresponsible, but I'm just sort of no, no, that no. It's it's no, fair, girl. I'm, do it, yeah, but, do but it. I know, but I totally agree. That's it's fraught. Like queer, queer, queering is fraught. Like because you're right, there that word gets thrown around a lot. It's also a very different term these days than it was like 20 years yeah. ago. Say so. right. I think pe- people misuse it, but I think that the. I think that it works for my book because all the scholarship on Wolverine is that sort of cis hetero straight stuff. Yeah. Where they're interpreting him as this very one dimensional character that I sort of take apart in in the beginning of the book. So I feel comfortable in saying like, look, the academic conversation about Wolverine is always that he's, um, nor he's heteronormative. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I can step in and, and be like, look, I'm going to queer this. Yeah, let me throw a fastball special right into that conversation. Yeah. Pa-pow! Ab- absolutely. <laughs> and that's kind of how, I, I, that is kind of how I felt about that. Like, that it had, a, that word had a very legitimate reason to be there because of the discussion that was happening before. Mm-hmm. And I think the only um, problem I had with Rutledge uh, when we were discussing the titles, I wanted to be called, I wanted a fastball special to be up front, mm. um, but they've got rules about search terms. You, oh, had, you, you had to have the... Academic publishing colon something right. something something. Right, right, yeah. right. Uh, you know that's that, that's a totally legitimate question because I do I I totally agree with you. Yeah. The queering that word gets thrown around quite a bit and people don't realize what they're doing with that word and it's got like you said different baggage. Um, but I but in this context I think it really works because I don't think there is a lot. Like I think you're doing stuff on your podcast. I think social media is doing stuff there too, where it's like Wolverine is queer. Yes. But in the academic in the academic space, it's just not happening. Well, I'm really glad you're making it happen then, because that was <laughs> one of the questions I had coming in too that you've already now answered, which is like, is this book something that we could find other similar books like it? Or is this like kind of the first of its kind or what have you? Like, is this sort of a conversation that's ongoing? And that's why it was so surprising to me in reading the book. Like, wait, people think Wolverine's straight? 
what the hell? <laughs> like, there, I will say that there's there's a lot of great queer scholars, queer comic scholarship out there, actually. Yeah. So so um, there's there's a really there's a there's been stuff written about like uh, Storm, hell queer yeah. Storm, Mohawk um, Storm. Uh, there's I've seen some stuff about Rogue as well. Oh, nice! I gotta read these books. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some really <laughs> great chapters. I just I don't. There's not been a book length study of Wolverine. In terms of his queerness. Well, congratulations because it's <laughs> amazing, the trend, right? <laughs> yes, hopefully, yes. Let's see more because you know at the end of the book, I say, you know, I'm not. I don't even think I've covered all the different readings of him. I, I really feel like there's a trans reading of him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's I a, just that's kind a of gesture, like, gesture toward. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen that pop up on social media. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's great. People interpret him as trans in a lot of different ways. So I'd like to see more of that yeah. happen too. Yeah, we yeah. a lot of our listeners Me have too. spoken up about the trans uh, metaphor for Logan. Readings. Yeah, it's been very interesting. That's the nice thing about academia. There aren't, especially academic publishing. Like there really aren't many good things about academic publishing. But like <laughs> one of the nice things is that you know have to convince like an editor that this is going to get page views yeah right like <laughs> you can you can write a hundred some odd page monograph about wolverine and a publisher will be like yeah we can sell that to libraries do it <laughs> right like, mm-hmm. which which i'm guessing yes. is exactly what happened in this case yeah sure well i forget this you know it started as like an article that was too I had too mm. much in oh well, it was too long to cut down for like a journal yeah and i was like wait a minute this is this might be a book project. Yes. So it's kind of, that's it started, it started like that. Honestly, this gave, this gave me hope because I have not, I haven't really done a book since a while ago. Like 2013 was 2013 was my first book. And it's the only book I've done. So, and I've always been like, Oh my God, I don't have a book length amount of stuff to do about this. And I read this book and I'm just like, wait, you can write a 111 pitch book. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. I know. I, I love the short book. I like. I like the. I idea. thought it was great. I thought it was great, and I also hope our listeners will read it because it's shorter. It's very accessible, and and it's totally mm-hmm. totally digestible, even if you don't read a lot of uh, textbooky type stuff. But yeah, continue, Chris. Yeah, I really like the, the, the. So Relich has this series, you know, the sexuality and comic studies stuff, mm-hmm. and that's and so when I found that, I was like, okay, that's probably the home for this for sure. And it was the short book form and. I, I, I'm a, like any, I'm like anybody. I'm I'm disappointed that it's so expensive if you buy the print copy. Yep. But the ebook, I think the ebook is pretty is pretty reasonable. It is, and also you can rent the ebook, which is what I chose to do. And oh, nice! It's okay. much. It's costs a lot less if you rent it. You get can get a six month rental for thirteen bucks, and that's what I did. Oh, that's so great. I recommend okay. that. I cheated. I cheated. I got it through ILL. I was really yeah. Proud you can of also be friends with Todd for, Harper. <laughs> yeah, I, I was really proud of our librarians for getting to. I made a request during summer for an ILL and they got me an electronic copy that day. It's because Todd knows all the other fellow gay librarians, right? (laughs) That was my theory. I'm like, okay, did, did the, did the gay librarian that I know do this? Did he, did he see that? Because you know we're you be wearing Wolverine. School. He dropped everything, pushed everything off the desk, and ran down the hallway, and was like, "Doctor Harper needs a copy of Queering Wolverine ASAP." But I mean, it was it was really nice that like, look, 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 like you just kind of have to come to peace with the idea that like you know uh, I have my book was a Rutledge book too. They sold it for 150 bucks when it was new. And my yeah. parents were like, yep. how can they buy your book? And I'm like, you don't. You can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> libraries buy the book. You just look at it from a distance. <laughs> right. But it, it was really nice that like the, 
I was able to get like a legit ILL provided electronic copy like really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe a, that's good. A, a really nice thing. So, yeah. and also, you know, for listeners who want to read the book and who are still have some sort of affiliation with an academic institution, you should consider ILL because there, this, I was able to get, and granted I'm in a state school system, but like, I was able to get an electronic copy through ILL pretty fast. So if you still have some sort of institutional tie to a library, you may like check your local, you would be surprised how many municipal libraries buy stuff like this too. Mm-hmm. And might do it if you request it incidentally. Yeah, right. Librarians are cool that way. In fact, a lot of municipal libraries are like sitting there with pots of money they haven't spent yet waiting for somebody to say, hey, I really want this book. Could you buy it? Mm-hmm. They're like, yes, God, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, please buy my book. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, if you want to, listeners that are listening to this and you're like, oh, I really want this in my collection, it is available as a hardback, correct? You can buy it. That's right, yes. It's a little it's a little pricey, but I mean, I know a lot, a lot of our listeners will also buy hardback comic books. Yeah, just because we, we like them. Just because we like them. <laughs> okay. And this is this is a very, very cool book that I highly recommend. And Christopher, thank you so, so much for coming yeah. on the show. This was like a ridiculously fun conversation. It was. Do you want to promote? You. Yeah, do you want to promote uh, anything, anything else? Of course, of course your book. book like, uh, but, you know, if you're on social media, feel free to drop your handles. Um, <laughs> or yeah, don't uh, you don't uh, have oh, to oh my god I, I you know what i'm kind of between projects right now so i actually don't have anything to promote like i'm, I'm i've got a few weeks here where i'm between stuff so i just time off enjoy hell my, yeah yeah just enjoy my book <laughs> just enjoy <laughs> querying wolverine is what i would say excellent and i feel like i'm just i'm not i'm not a very good hustler I'm not, no you're doing <laughs> great like I'm, I'm not really good at that. you're doing great you're promoting your book on a podcast what more can the world possibly ask of you beyond that <laughs> you're uh, you're a college professor it's summer i frankly think it's a miracle you're awake at this hour yeah, on a saturday i mean <laughs> come on all right well thanks again it was a delight uh i guess we'll see you all next time <laughs> see you well, next thank time. you so much thank you again i appreciate you having me on thank you you can check us out at mutantages.com or support us at patreon.com slash the mutant ages. We'd like to give a shout out to our highest tier Patreon supporters, Soren B and Samuel B. And also, if you can't afford to support the show, please share it with your friends or give us a review on a podcast app that lets you do that thing. We'll see you next time. Next time.